0: thank you so much for coming on. You have no idea like how much you inspire me on Instagram with all of your workouts and being a fellow zebra. And I know that all of us with these conditions, we don't um, have the same levels or the same problems or the same issues. And you can't look at someone else and go, Oh, she has my disorder. I can do all of that. But you really do give me a lot of hope. I have to say.
1: (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. I love hearing that. Like I always tell people it's not about getting to where I am tomorrow. It's just about taking that first step.
0: That's a really beautiful way of putting it, Cresenda. I'm so sorry. Did I pronounce it right? No,
1: you did it right. You pronounced it correctly. Okay,
0: I'm. <laughs> I am on <laughs> enough opioids to make like Kurt Cobain's ghost very jealous right now. So I'm <laughs> going to like stumble my <laughs> words, and I'm very sorry. <laughs> I will work as hard as I can. Um, because like I found you on Instagram through so someone else's account, and you do weightlifting, right, for your Eller stainless.
1: Correct. They. I'm actually it, competing but- in strongman in about two weeks.
0: Oh my god! Congratulations! I'm so excited. You were recommended to me by um, I think it was another person I'd interviewed, and she was like, "You've got to check out this girl's like Instagram account. It's gonna give you so much life from like the strength, the body positivity, all of this amazing like inspiration that you've been given. Like watching you do like the deadlifts and like the squats, I am in serious jealousy of like the Wonder Woman status. <laughs> <laughs> so please explain to a fellow zebra who um, is not in the same path as you, but how, do you, how did you start this? Did you like where are you with your progression, just so we don't inspire a whole bunch of zebras who are like me who are like dislocating when they point at something to go rushing to the gym?: like,
1: <laughs> <laughs> Well, um, I didn't get diagnosed until 2015, And in about 2009, when I was getting ready to graduate with my bachelor's, I decided to start working out a little bit and it was always kind of an up and down workout where I'd be really excited about the gym. And then two weeks later, things would go bad and I didn't, I never knew why. And I just kept doing that and kept building that foundational strength. A lot of it was just like elliptical and bike riding and simple stuff. And it wasn't until after, um, Kind of around 2015 was when I was riding my bike to work and I ended up hitting a tree going bike riding with my boyfriend. No. And that's when things started kind of falling into place. And that's when my primary care was like, Hey, I think you have this thing. Are and you once serious? Two and two together, Yeah. I'm
0: just thinking like was- that's the spoony like zebra dream. I mean, most of us are like chasing for like decades. Like, what could this be? And you had a, a GP say, Hey, maybe it's this. What a great GP.
1: Yeah, it, w- it was funny because initially we were we were going through all kinds of different things that it could be, and initially everything was just blamed on, like, endometriosis and polycystic ovarian, and then I happened to be sitting, I always sit um, kind of with one angle, one foot against the floor and standing on the other angle, basically, mm-hmm. so ankle's just not, not doing what it's supposed to be doing. And then I I guess I had bent my fingers backwards on the table. And he's like, that's not, not normal. Oh, <laughs> so you have like the swan was,
0: deformation.
1: The- correct. Yay! <laughs> correct. Was, they were bent funny on the table. And he was like, oh, something's not right here. And <laughs> we put two and two together. And it was so quick how quickly the diagnosis happened. From going to the geneticist and going to a pain specialist. I mean, it was kind of a whirlwind of just... A slew of diagnoses coming through. But once I knew that, it was kind of a little bit easier for me to actually get into the gym because I realized just why I was lifting things a certain way and why I would do things a certain way to keep things from dislocating, um, why I walk the way I walk to keep your hips in place. And I, explaining that to my boyfriend's a personal trainer and explaining that to him was really kind of interesting to say you know when I walk I don't just throw my foot out there and walk I have to actually sit there and flex every single muscle in order to make sure that nothing dislocates nothing pops out but then getting into the gym you were able to kind of use that and we have this really great mind-body connection already from us just sitting there thinking about how, how do I how am I going to put my foot down when I jump off of this curb and Turning that on into the gym and adding extra weight on top of that seemed like a really easy progression, and it, it helped me build that foundational strength that allowed me in about five years to actually get into this to the place I am now.
0: I'm trying to put my jealousy aside right now because I'm turning a little green <laughs> with envy of like, first off a partner who's a personal trainer. I am so jealous.
1: It I cannot believe how much I spent so on So much. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
0: I have a, I'm going to give a call out for Joe at, Um, Oh, goodness, he's over in Burlingame at a fitness facility. I'm blanking on which one, but I'll put it in the show notes if you live in the Burlingame area. But he retaught me how to walk once I got my diagnosis because I had been walking ballet style one foot in front of the other, which is super pretty and makes the hips swishy. But it was like destroying my hips. And he was like, okay, we're going (laughs) to – took me forever. But he was the one who taught me how to walk proper. But there's, you're right. There's so many funny, weird things. Like even if you didn't know you were dislocating, that you're doing just to like – Keep it safe, even yeah. though you didn't realize that's what you were doing. Like, you're right. The body is so much smarter than our brains sometimes.
1: And, and I, I had no clue I was doing some of these things, especially with, like, the way I flex my quads in order to keep my hips in. I had no clue, but then when I translated that into something simple like doing a leg press at the gym, my leg press maxed out what uh, most of the guys I know could do at the gym.
0: <laughs> How good did that feel? <laughs>
1: It is such a great feeling. I'm
0: going to live vicariously is, through you for a minute. It's
1: such a fun feeling. To, um, I used to, it used to be our joke of I lift my boyfriend's weight, is we never have had to change weights when we go to the gym together. I just lift what he's lifting, and sometimes I'll continue lifting after he's already done. Now, granted, there's some things that he can definitely beat me on. There, there's quite a few. But for the most part, I can keep up and a lot of things end up surpassing him like he can't do this because he has a herniated disc.
0: Mm. Yeah, you know, that's one of the only things I can still do because I have mass dislocations of the femurs and the tibias and the ankles. So almost everything's out for me. Certainly I can't do leg presses or anything, but since it's just that movement from floor to knee, I can still do it with like almost no weights, but it's the only thing I can still kind of do for yeah. my life.
1: It's the one thing that actually scares me because Back in, in high school, um, our gym lockers used to have these little bitty benches that were only like six inches big. And I used to pretend to tightrope walk on them, balance beam style. And I actually fell and took one of the benches to my shins. So I have a permanent divot in my shin. Although we could probably blame EDS for it not breaking because it probably just popped out and popped back in. EDS
0: but is such a mixed bag, isn't
1: it? <laughs> it is. It its is. But I have those divots in my shin, and of course, sometimes at night I'm sitting up going, You know, one of these times I'm going to be under so much load that that, that shin's going to finally break. And that's probably uh, one of my biggest screams is you just never know what's gonna, where the injury is going to come. I, um,
0: it's So true. <laughs> the um, like people talk about the, the medical PTSD, and I'm like, It's so true, totally understand. I almost have PTSD with walking, like, just the the incredible fear I have that, like, each step is the last step I will take for the next three weeks, because I have no idea when I step down if that's going to be a tibia dislocation. Um, This weekend, I had a full foot dislocation. The whole ankle came off from the the bone. Like, it was just, I could fit, like, most of my fingers in. It was so awesomely gross, like John Carpenter wishes (laughs) he could like create special effects that disgusting. But it's like, you never know, like what movement is going to put you in bed for weeks. And it's so weirdly stressful. And that's why it's so fascinating with your story. And I don't know if you know about the, I forgot her name. She's in Colorado. It's a woman who does um, an L.R. stainless gym basically mm-hmm. I did not. yeah she has her own gym and it's mostly for zebras and her theory is that uh, muscle gain is the only thing that's going to stop progression and
1: um all the time is our muscles are our internal braces
0: it because it, god knows the external braces are not really doing good it enough. um i want exoskeleton <laughs> i'm a I'm such a nerd. Um, I'm such a geek. I love like the whole idea of Black Panther suit that comes on. I'm Like, can I have that with extra strength around the joints? Uh, yeah. <laughs> that could be cool. Uh, but you're, you're right because it is our internal bracing and there's, there's so nothing on the horizon that is going to cure or even help this except just to manage our discomfort to a very small degree. Yeah. So if you're like that's what I always tell people is I'm older than all of you guys and um, whenever I get <laughs> younger people on you're like I'm hypermobile or I'm almost stainless and I'm 20s or 30s I'm like great you're not in a wheelchair yet go lift weights now while you can <laughs> like <laughs> while you're able it's really well, actually, hard to
1: do it once you're this- what happened was I was I, we were looking at the the idea of a at uh, ch- uh, the chair. We were looking at a permanently using the forearm braces and uh, they, after I dislocated the knee, they had given me the full like leg brace and a walker. And I was like, you know, what? <laughs> Nothing I, sexier than I, a I was like, I am th- just, I think I was like 33 at the time. And I was like, no, I am not using a walker. We are going to figure out another way. And the, the easiest thing I could think of was just to strengthen the muscles around it. If my ligaments and tendons weren't going to stay in place, well, maybe the muscles will help hold it.
0: I mean, the only thing I can think of is I'm—I usually get called like the (laughs) huge pride moment. Um, I usually get called (laughs) the worst Eller stainless case that whatever doctor I'm seeing has ever seen. And it's like, great, I feel a little (laughs) proud of that, oddly and (laughs) perversely enough, but weird. And it's like, God, what can what can we do here? And going into the wheelchair was the only thing I could do at this point. But it is that big. A fight that I've had with all of my I'm sorry like I I keep my habit is to keep talking in circles till I get to a point when I'm this when I'm in this much pain so please forgive me as I'm circular um but uh that was a big fight with my doctors and I was like do we brace do we wheelchair or do I just try to keep pushing through the dislocations because if I'm in the wheelchair or bracing I'm not using my muscles which I'm sure you
1: heard yeah and that then was the biggest fear yeah and then there's was like, what, once you're in the chair it's just so easy to stay in the chair and especially because the chair is safe and you know you're not going to have these dis- bigger dislocations in the chair so i have it,
0: managed to by the way
1: <laughs>
0: I'm, I'm
1: sure um, the thought process is you won't <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, we can prove them wrong
0: i <laughs> give me a challenge um challenge <laughs> accepted. Um, And it's such, like, even within my own self, it's such a fight all the time of do I use the chair um, or do I try to push or am I going to end up making myself worse? And each day that's a different answer. It's such a weird thing. Like, there's no progressive. I
1: go to the gym, it's a different answer of do I push myself to go to the gym or do I stay home and just kind of let my body heal? But how much do you actually heal?
0: Um, you know I mean all I can say and please everyone do not sue us we are not doctors we are not specialists yeah. we're just talking about what works for us so really talk to your doctor or physical therapist about this first but the thing that I've done because i I refuse to not remain physically active in some way even at my worst is that I have the exercise bands and I have a set oh, of ridiculously
1: lightweights
0: and if you're Perfect. stuck in bed, sure. you can like keep those right by your bedside. And uh, Pilates, if you go back to his original stuff that he developed after the war when he was stuck in bed, you can do a ton of Pilates in bed. <laughs> that you can yeah. do like little things, like you well, just.
1: And people arm. laugh at me, but back in the day, remember Richard Simmons had the sweat into the <laughs> oldies. How do you he forget that? Had stuff like you were. That you were uh, that you could do if you were extremely overweight and stuck in bed, and he had some great things of just getting your body used to movement and teaching your brain how your body's supposed to move and how your body's safe to move while you're in bed.
0: That is so cool. I'm getting some serious static on your side.
1: Oh, it's it's my roommate getting some ice for her cop, for ah! her coke.
0: Hello, roommate, <laughs> and I fully approve the coffee. That is awesome. No worries. I just wanted to make sure that wasn't going to be permanent. Um, So for, it sounds like you and I have a lot in common in that, like, you probably were experiencing dislocations through your childhood and your teen years, and you weren't diagnosed till later. Is that right?
1: That's the guess. Um, I, my mom's a nurse. My mom was an ER nurse at the time, and our thing was always, she, she. It was one of those things where it's so easy when you see your mom working so hard with these really large emergencies that you're like, I I remember one time when I was in drill team, I thought for sure my hip dislocated. And of course, logic would say, no, it didn't. And it was so easy to just disregard everything and say, you know, there's no way that that could actually happen, that I continued doing that throughout the time. I how many years and looking back, I'm like, there's there's a lot of times that I'm willing to bet that that was actually a thing. And I used to think that the pain and everything that was going on was just normal, that this is what everybody was feeling. And I was just a wuss.
0: Oh my God, you just hit me in the solar plexus with that one. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I went between like, is this what everyone else is feeling and they're just better at it than me? Or am I some sort of weird alien? Like trying to explain the level of pain to my PE teachers and to my parents is like, I want to just put your soul in my body for like 10 minutes and see if this is actually a real thing from someone else's perspective. Like, it's just so insane to think about as a reality.
1: Looking back, it's so easy to disregard a kid when they say, oh, I think I dislocated my hip, but it's okay. I popped it back in. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, you sound absolutely ridiculous and you sound like you're trying to get out of something. <laughs> and it's one of those things where if, how do you balance believing children and also balance with the, oh, I don't want to go to school today.
0: Oh, it, my it, God.
1: <laughs> it, it's such a weird balance. And looking back, I don't want anybody, but at the same time, I'm just so mad at myself for not being able to articulate it properly.
0: You know, I've actually, because i raised, I've, I've, I've raised a teenager who is successfully now living his own life and I'm raising a a junior (laughs) high. And, um, I have to say my experiences as a kid and the not being believed and the like dismissal has very much pushed me to the other side of I would rather they miss a day of school that they didn't have to than ever feel like I didn't believe their. Yeah. I'm like, I always told them, I'm like, I'm not in your body. You're the one who has to live with the consequences of not going to school. And so I'm going to trust you to know the pros and cons. And I'm here to support you. Like, and it might be like too much of a hippie. (laughs) Liberal parent, which anyone who knows me, huh, how liberal and hippie of a parent do you think I am? Yes. Um, but I also always felt like my relationship with them was going to be more important in the long run. And if they know that I always believed them and I I trusted them to trust their bodies, I felt like that was safer for them because I never ended up trusting my own body. I never trusted that yeah. I knew best or that I knew when to go to the hospital, and that's almost killed me a few times. But like, yeah, and I think.
1: I think for me, it was me more not trusting myself of knowing when to speak up and when to say something that, and it was a complete fear of going to the hospital or actually <laughs> having it be. thing. And now looking back, now that I know what it was, I wish I had spoken up and I wish I had said something because I'm pretty sure having a mom who was a nurse, she probably would have moved the world to help me out. And I just I didn't know myself enough to really speak up. And even still to this day, there's times where I'm like, no, it's okay. I will. I'm going to go flip the tire when I know darn well that I need to just hang out and relax. And it's always testing your boundaries and always trying to figure out what you can do next.
0: I mean, LR Stainless is kind of like, if you want to distill it down to philosophy, it's got to be like one of the most Buddhist disorders ever of you have to live in the moment, (laughs) because what happened in the past and what will happen in the future have no relevance in the moment right now. That's clever. I always say it's like the best way to Buddhism is to get or to have LR Stainless, not to get because you can't get it. I mean, we're a very exclusive club, either you're born with it or you're not, (laughs) But, (laughs) but it is like the biggest way to like Buddhism that ideal of the moment is all there
1: is yeah well you, you just you never know um what the future holds especially when you're doing something like uh, heavy lifts and stuff I never know if this if this lift is going to be what's going to end my career and you just have to kind of let the moment happen and enjoy it in the moment and deal with consequences later <laughs>
0: for a second because that's that's so real I mean that's so true you never know when you have this disorder like is this you know like if you're going out somewhere like when I go out with my kids and like it was a good day like six months ago um and we went down to pescadero and that's where we love to like go look at the seals and you have to kind of like climb along rocks and it's like i'm doing this but i know at best i'm gonna be in bed for the next two weeks at worst i'm gonna just look at an ankle while i'm down here and someone's going to have to carry me back up but you just have to enjoy it because that's what you have right now
1: yeah um not too well i guess it was quite a long ago last summer uh, my boyfriend and I went hiking on this really beautiful hiking near the house. And um, I remember telling him, oh, this is awesome. We're going to do this like every week. And <laughs> we have not done it in like months. Um, and it's just one of those things where, you know what, we had a really good hike and we'll get back to that hike and we're going to do it again. It's just not right now. <laughs>
0: for partners who get that understand that and can just ride with it and like find the humor yeah. in it because that's a i mean like one of the biggest issues at least for the people i know who have chronic illness is guilt shame and um regret <laughs> i mean like and then when someone else yeah. is putting that on you as well you have my utter respect and hugs if that's you i'm so incredibly fortunate and lucky that i don't have that right now i did before in previous relationships And that was just devastating to like have the doubt and the constant guilt and so nice to like that and I'm older and so our idea of like a wild and crazy night is that we get to watch Deadpool 2 (laughs) in front of the fireplace and have a get takeout Indian food so that's our wild and crazy Saturday night now anyway and I'm sure a lot of people in their 40s could probably maybe relate to such like, wild and crazy evenings, so at least I don't have that. But for you, like, how is this process? Because you didn't have a diagnosis for so long, and how did that work out for you through college? And is you had quite an academic career.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, I actually ended up having to drop out of my PhD program and kind of put it on hold because I just, at the time, I was not able to balance life, and I was constantly ill, and this was around the time where I had lots of bouts of diverticulitis and ended up having to have my colon taken out. Okay. And, see, I don't know uh, all
0: the things you have right now. I was like, oh, she's this fellow zebra. And then you're like PCOS and endometriosis. Are those also things too?
1: They are. They are. Um, there's, there's so many little comorbid disorders that come with EDS that it's just a slew of diagnoses that I've it becomes very frustrating because once you start saying two or three, the doctor's eyes start glazing over, <laughs> and they start really questioning what you're saying until you come with like your ten binders full of diagnoses from different places.
0: And how often do you get asked who diagnosed you?
1: Oh, every every time.
0: Yeah, I find that so
1: psychotic. Lucky enough to go to a geneticist, and I even though what uh, in San Francisco. Genetic, uh, no. When I was I lived in D.C. for a while. Oh,
0: okay, Arlington. Yes, got it.
1: <laughs> and even though there's not a genetic, com- uh, well, there's a genetic component, but there's not a genetic test for type three. I I tell everybody who I speak to go have the geneticist tell you that it's for sure. For one, you know for sure it's not vascular or classic or anything else. But two, saying, oh, I was diagnosed by a geneticist carries so much more clout than it does than just saying oh my primary care doctor diagnosed me oh I had a rheumatologist saying the genetic diagnosed me just changes people's opinion and changes doctors opinions so much bigger. and you just you carry so much more weight that way and it's it's silly but it's the reality that we have to operate
0: within it. It's the creepiest thing because I had never had anyone ask me that question before Is I had multiple conditions as well. And I'd never been asked who diagnosed me before. And it was like this very snobbish moment of, well, if this person didn't okay. diagnose you, then we're just going to put suspected down. And I had to wait three years to see the geneticist in San Francisco. The waiting list was three years long. And the only reason it was only three years was someone canceled. And because I'm on disability, I don't have stuff. During the day, except to their doctor's appointments, so I was able to take someone's appointment. So it was three years of everyone going, "Well, we think you have this," but until this one doctor gives you the write-off. Same thing with pots. I had the I, no one believed it until Doctor Friday at San Francisco Clinic said, "Oh, you have pots," and everyone's like, "Oh, she has pots." It's like great.
1: The hilarious thing with the pots is any time that I'm in, like admitted to the hospital, they're always like, "Oh, you have yeah, we think you have pots." I was like, "Yeah, I know that's in my chart." And so they run me through the, the fake diagnoses of sit up, lay down, sit up, stand up, while you're admitted to the hospital. I like, this is ridiculous. And it just, it makes no sense to me. And it's like, every single time I've been admitted, I get re-diagnosed.
0: If I wanted <laughs> to the kneel, sit, stand, I'd go back to church.
1: Yes, Exactly. <laughs>
0: Um, For anyone who does not have POTS, does not understand what POTS is, what we're talking about is that there is a, um, the diagnosis is 30 beats per minute difference between sitting and standing. For most of us, that goes much higher, much wider swing, and means you can pretty much either pass out, experience vertigo, throw up. Um, So when we're talking about this little, like, test, we're not talking about, like, oh, of course you can sit down and stand up and not, like, this is actually pretty traumatic (laughs) if you're in the middle of an attack and you suddenly vomit on someone's shoes or you fall into their arms, like... Victorian swim style is not nearly as hot or romantic as anyone thinks it is. I mean, I've done it many times, not cute. Very rarely does Mr. Darcy show up to catch me. So it's uh, it's just, we're not talking about something very light here.
1: No. And it's, it, I try to explain to the doctors, you know, I, I now wear a Samsung watch everywhere I go and yes. I keep the heart rate monitor so that I know when I can stand up. And so going through that test every single time you're admitted to the hospital Is absolutely ridiculous, especially because they decide to go ahead and also test your blood pressure, too. So that's like another. it's it's an extra pain that you don't really need to go through.
0: No. And they also can like end up freaking out to a high level and start different um, things for you that are way over reactions because they're not used to what your blood pressure usually is or what your heart, like my blood pressure can go down to like 40 over 70 and it's not that weird for me. And they'll be like, you're in shock. Oh my God, let's get adrenaline in you. I'm like, not unless you want me dead. Like, you just have to like always re-educate like ER staff so that because they're not used to these chronic conditions so that you don't get killed or hurt or like when they want to relocate you in an ER and they're like, we're just going to yank that back in. You're like, no, 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 no. This is how we relocate it. I just need help. Like we're going to use the, the facial technique of relaxing the muscle and then we're going to guide it, not rip it back. In.
1: Yeah. Like well, and the so lot it's other interesting. Times they'll, um, uh, they'll hold off on pain medication. Because your blood pressure, your heart rate's too low. And I was like, no, that's where my blood pressure and heart rate normally is. Mm -hmm. We... We're okay. Where I'm not dying. This is just normal.
0: Yeah, the I'm not dying. I feel like I just need to put on a T-shirt whenever I go to the ER. These are my stats, like on my shirt. But you're yeah. right. Like that's someone like Spoony thing that you can always tell with us with pots. Is we're always like down at our wrists before we stand. Like that's like the one yeah. telltale of a pots patient. Is, Do I get to stand? No, I'm not not standing yet. Yeah, let's just sit back and enjoy no. for a while.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, I sat up too fast. We we need to take an extra minute.
0: Yeah, my husband or my daughter usually comes rushing to my side before I stand. They're like, so, do you need to lean?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I've noticed actually hilariously with workouts, um, I often max out my heart rate anytime I'm doing anything. And it's so frustrating because you never really know if you push too hard because it's not not a real indicator of how hard you push. It's just the fact that you're standing and doing anything.
0: (laughs) One of the, like, most humbling things about this disorder for me because I was an athlete. I was a ballerina. I was in martial arts. I was a weight. I loved weightlifting more than any of the rest. Like that was my, that was my jam. That's where I felt powerful. And then to get this sick where I, I couldn't even do my job anymore and to be in bed so much of the time is that I've lowered the bar significantly to what I think is exercise like I realize now that I'm not going to be able to sweat it out at a 90 minute spin class anymore that's just not going to happen I won't be able to for me personally I'm not able to lift heavy weights at all so when I went back to the gym to try you were the one who inspired me I did try I went back to the gym and I was like I will try 20 pounds not my 80 pounds that when I left the gym that's what I was doing I'm gonna try 20 but I still this whole thing just came out when I was doing a row and I was like, so I'll be leaving the gym now. Thank you for letting me try <laughs> I'm going home now permanently.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, but I do other things now when I'm at home, I have like the little, the bands which are only one or two pounds. So to go from like, I lift hundreds of pounds to now I'm like, I lift three pounds <laughs> and I'm tr- I see, yeah. try to see that as not a failure. I try to see that as this is me maintaining as much as I'm capable of maintaining right now. So it's just really a changing your definition of success over and over and over again.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I see any any day that I can do anything as a win. Right? I mean there are some days where I'm just at home and even just going out to the couch to me is a win.
0: Oh my
1: god. does uh, <laughs> no matter what I'm doing, as long as I'm doing something, as long as I'm just waking up and turning the TV on in bed is can some days be the win for the day. And it's it's really going back to what we were talking about, it's all about living in the day in the moment. Because what your win for yesterday might not be your win for today.
0: So that, that's probably the truest thing you said. Uh, not that you haven't said a million true things so far, but that one, I like yesterday, that just hit me so hard because, um, yesterday was so bad. I was like hospital or physical therapy, hospital or physical therapy. And like, I had to remind myself that that day was a wash. It was just going to be that I was gathering inspiration by watching Netflix and looking at Pinterest and curling in a ball and taking my Oxy and that I was okay with that. I had to take that much earlier than I usually take it. And, but I was gathering information. That's, that was my my r- reference for I'm going to watch Netflix all day <laughs> long. <laughs> all of Sabrina Teenage Witch. I love it. Poor Kiros. I was like, tech- he had already watched it. And so I was like texting him. Going, oh. Do I hate this or love this, Kuros? I'm really not sure yet. Help me out. Do I keep watching? <laughs> <laughs> But you're right. You just have to keep changing that like success point over and over and over again. Okay. I want to get to endometriosis because I don't have that. And... Every time someone describes it to me, my jaw just kind of hits the floor and I get this whole empathy for everyone who hears my condition and gets that jaw drop look of like, no, you don't have to live with that, right? That's not a thing. You're joking. <laughs> um, because every time I hear what endometriosis is, my jaw drops and I want to hug every person who has endometriosis because I'm like, that is a nightmare that horror movies wish they could come up with.
1: And it's It kind of is. it was... It was one of those things that I, I know some people will probably get annoyed at me for this, but oh, I get, it was really diagnoses that I kind of ignored. I, it's one of those things where you're like, well, it's, there's not much I can do about it. It's just gonna, it is what it is. So let's move on to the diagnoses that really bother me. Like in comparison to everything else, it was one of those that since, since you knew what it was, since I, I think I got my first period around 16. I knew what it was. I knew that our fa- it ran in the family, so it was kind of one of those things that you just grow up accepting and grow up with, oh, you're just going to, it's just bad period pains. That's all it is, and you just kind of lie to yourself and just be like, you know, it's whatever. It's no big deal, even though it's just, it's, it's like one thing on top of another on top of another, and it's just like. It's one of those things where it's, you can't get away from it, but at the same time you just kinda of have to accept it and move on from there.
0: It's amazing what what we end up prioritizing with chronic illness. Yeah. Where it's like, um as I talked to Desiree who um she uh, oh gosh, if I messed up your name, Desiree, it's not that I don't love and adore you, it's that I have no brain cells. Um but uh, she has CRPS, which I had years ago, and she has l stainless. and she's like, I'm sorry to say this, I know how much l stainless hurts you right now, but that's not my problem. My problem is the CRPS. And it's like, what what keeps someone in a wheelchair from living their life might be your, uh, that's not something we're hanging with right now. <laughs> we need to focus over here with this that's way bigger. It's like the dislocations, like the doctors will ask how, what's dislocated right now. I'm like, how do I just tell you it's the one that's the worst?
1: Yeah, and it's exactly.
0: like yeah I, it's funny because it's like anyone else who gets dislocations is like oh my god my leg is dislocated this will be six months of repair and i'm like okay leg dislocated but the rib is the one that's killing me right now <laughs> like Good. it's just these things that you prioritize so for you this is the endometriosis is not the BL all end-all it's just something that you've you're managing below the rest of the screaming fire How, engine of. I, for the most
1: part <laughs> it actually um I ended up getting a Marina IUD, so it's got that, uh, the hormones kind of constantly coming out, and that's helped immensely, and it's one of those things that I just kind of am able to move on with, like, it's maybe I just have a very minor case, or maybe it's just something that I've kind of learned to work around.
0: I, it's just funny like how much we learn how to work around when it's our body so we don't get to escape them like we learn all sorts of like weird hacks that you're like okay this is how we we do this and like it's so funny when you say like the period pain you're like this is hurting and everyone's like well it's just a bad period and it's like okay yeah. I, I hear you because like i don't have that but i get the worst cramps like I got them so bad when I was a teenager they had to hospitalize and they're like well it shows that you're in stage one labor with the level of cramps you're having I'm like, oh my I'm like well this isn't uh, that abnormal of a period for me so you're just telling me I'm basically like my body's going stage one labor every month <laughs> like, and that's just something mm-hmm. like, I'm just supposed to hang with <laughs> like, there's got to be better options I want way more research into like how to handle periods and and cramps and everything like it just needs to be so much more funding
1: <laughs> there needs to be so much more research done in so many things that that we just go through and kind of just brush off because because we have to
0: right or what's the option i mean it's a uh, it's always the weird thing people are like shouldn't you be in bed i'm like yeah but um <laughs> I kind of like to be alive, but
1: too. I don't want to be in bed, so I'm not going to be in bed.
0: I mean, it's like this This podcast takes a ton out of me. That's a lot of work. And so I've gotten a few more people to help out with them being co-hosts. But I shouldn't be doing this. There's no way. But I am bored, and I can only, like, stay isolated so long.
1: You know, I mean, it's it's one of those things where you kind of look at it and go, you know, the benefits outweigh the risks. The, oh. what, what am I going to do? There's got to be something I can do to help other people out, and if it, if I can, I don't have to leave my house to do it. That sounds amazing to me.
0: <laughs> I would really love to leave my house, but I hear you.
1: <laughs> I was gone <laughs> well, like, hilariously. Me. In order to afford my competitions, uh, my boyfriend now drives for um, DoorDash, and so a lot of times I'll go with him because some days that'll be the only thing I get to do during the like at all. And I'm like, Oh, I will deliver all the food you just drive because it's going to be the only exercise or the only human contact I get to do all day long. And um, so it's something I can look forward to and Hey, we might get a little money out of it too. So that's really nice.
0: <laughs> I am digging how you guys have decided to fund your competitions. That is awesome. <laughs> and by the way, you are my only human contact aside from my daughter, my mom and my husband that I will have for like the next two or three days.
1: I'm, I'm lucky enough to have, uh, I live with actually pretty much one of my best friends oh, and her to. husbands. That helps a lot. Like just having somebody who on days where I have a bad day, she comes in the room and says, okay, what do you need? And if she has just the bad day, I can ask her, okay, what do you need? And just having somebody, even if it's like just the best friend who lives down the street, like that just changes everything. It's.
0: A- Like I, I, my son calls me terminally optimistic, um, but I really am because I believe in like the kindness of people. Like I just have always had the best luck with. Well, not always, but um, there's just been amazing humans that I've met in my life. When I was healthy enough to go to the dog park, I met some really amazing people who are still my people, and will still occasionally when they see on Facebook that I'm going, I still have not left my bed. Will text me and go, so you probably need to eat. I'll be by with soup for you. Just leave door unlocked.
1: It makes the world like I remember back. I so I lived in Alaska for my undergrad and I had a just one of those colds that just before diagnosis. Oh, wait a minute, what did you
0: study in Alaska? That is
1: oh, I I went there. I went to University of Alaska Anchorage for my undergrad degree in psychology and justice, but it was just one of those things of when else are you going to get to live in Alaska? Like, let's go do the degree in Alaska because that sounds like fun.
0: I'm going to put you in touch um, with my son because that's his dream is to like go up to Alaska and like live there or Norway. Those are like his two like.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. I, I miss it all the time. Okay, like, but
0: psychology and social justice, you are like screaming my language right now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it, it was, they actually, their, their psychology degree that I got up there Is probably the best degree that I've ever had. It prepared me for my masters and PhD more than my masters and PhD. Like I walked into the programs already steps ahead of the uh, the people who went to different places. Like the the foundation in research and statistics really set me up so well, and I was it was really cool to it had have to, to
0: like research your own disorders. I was like, I feel like people who know how to research are so much further ahead than I am at like looking through really dry
1: articles. It, <laughs> it causes so many problems. Like it, I have this weird injury. Um, I, we're guessing from the lifting of, I have just this little nodule in my butt on my <laughs> like gluteus maximus. Can you just call it a tail? Like in there. <laughs> And so, of course, my first thing is, like, oh, let's look at the articles. And, of course, the only thing that I read in articles are, hey, it's probably cancer. And I was like, I know it's not cancer because it hasn't grown, but all the articles are like these worst-case scenarios. And I was like, I wish I hadn't reached that level of reading articles. Like, if I had just Googled it, it would be like, oh, that's completely normal. No, no, you Google it. It's always
0: cancer. It's WebMD. It's like you can type in anything. I have a hangnail. It's cancer. Like.
1: <laughs> And it's just, it's, it's, it's one of those things that just, it'll take you, your it'll take your brain forever to get past because anytime you want to look up something, you're like, immediately you end up with the medical research journals and you end up with the worst case scenarios that you could ever think of. And it's always cancer.
0: WebMD <laughs> yeah, does need to like change their website from WebMD to it's just cancer, get over it.
1: <laughs> like... you're, you're already dead. You might be dead.
0: I've learned not to um to google strange symptoms I do go like that's one of the really like big things about having a diagnosis is that you then have social network support group and like the Eller Stainless support group for Bay Area is awesome and I can go on there all the time and I'm like so am I dying or is it Eller Stainless am I dying or is it POTS like it's my go-to yeah. before I go to the hospital
1: pretty much and and it's one of those things where um like I, I help admin the the large Facebook EDS group, and I, I see a lot of the members get very frustrated of people always asking, "Well, is this EDS? Is is this is this something, or do I need to worry about it?" And it, it, I understood where they were coming from until you start thinking about how many people have this this fear every single day. Of okay, is this just EDS, or is it? Is it something else I need to worry? Is it something bigger? And looking back, I I had that worry of it was so easy to brush off everything as just EDS or just something. I mean, I almost had my colon rupture from diverticulitis because I was like, oh, I was just something else. And I had a soundboard to be like, okay, do I really need to worry about this or should I just brush it off? It's really important because a lot of times it's so easy for us to brush things off.
0: Yes, and LR Stainless is one of those disorders that will affect every ounce of your body because our bodies are held together by connective tissue. So from our brains, to our eyeballs, to our teeth, to our lungs, heart, internal organs, all of this is affected. So it's really easy to brush stuff off. And we also, um, you and I both live in in the um, the United States, and we all have very different insurance or lack of Mm. insurance. So the ability to just like, I know a lot of people are like, well, why don't you just go to an emergency room? Why don't you just go to an an urgent care center? It's like, we don't have the NHIS. We can't just go into an emergency room and not, we we never know in the United States when we go to an emergency room, how much that bill is going to be. It can be between a thousand dollars. I used to have really better insurance where it would never be more than 500. But now it's never less than a thousand, and we have to pay 20% of the full bill, which can be up to $100,000. So it's not easy for us to just go, okay, we're gonna to go to urgent care or hospital and see if we're dying. We actually do go onto Facebook groups so that they can go, okay, that's probably just POTS, but this is, is, okay, by the way, everyone who doesn't have POTS, it can feel like a heart attack, exactly like a heart attack. You can get the chest pain that feels like an elephant's on you. Your left side can go numb. It's impossible to tell. My cardiologist was like, okay, so the deal is you will never know if it's a heart attack or it's POTS. You will just have to go to the emergency room. So a lot of us just go on to there to see if we really need to put our financial jeopardy in risk like that. That is, and if you are in a red state and you are disagreeing with me on like the ACA and all that, you cannot disagree with me that you do not know what your hospital bill is gonna be. And that there are a lot of people who will choose between financial stability and going to the emergency room no matter what your political affiliation is i'm not saying anything that should not be bipartisan right now <laughs> like yeah. this is a scary thing and we are going on facebook to find out if we should go <laughs> like
1: yeah and, weird and, and american and realities all, people say I'm, I'm not a doctor but here, here's here's uh-huh. your diagnosis basically and there's one and person whose husband is one <laughs>
0: Someone on there's husband is one and he's like actually gotten on and like messaged me and gone, get your tail to a doctor now woman. <laughs> like, okay.
1: Yeah. Or there's, there's times where um I will be at the doctor's office and they'll be checking my heart rate and they'll be like, okay, well you need to go to the ER because this isn't normal. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to go to the ER because it's pretty much normal. We're good enough. Yeah. We'll <laughs> close <keep on> enough.
0: <laughs> it is that close enough thing that a lot of us have like, I mean, like, we just, if if we could go with, like, knowing exactly what we'd be paying, I'd be at the hospital a lot more often, and my husband would feel a lot less anxiety, like, (laughs) waiting it out to see if
1: heart attack We also never know how we're going to get treated at the hospital, (gasps) so a lot of times I just don't go because I don't want to deal with people, and I don't want to deal with the idea of the possibility of getting labeled, the possibility of The financial part, the possibility of getting treated poorly, like it's just, I'd rather just die at home. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my
0: god, yes! I've actually said that to my husband, I would actually rather just die at home than deal. Um, Like I have horrible anxiety um, about losing control in a hospital situation and once you're admitted, you've lost all control. You can't just get up and leave. Um, Not if you're being treated abusively or rudely or cruelly, you can't just get up and leave. Um, they, they will decide on your treatment options without actually really discussing or even knowing your disorder. Um, oh, definitely. there's, ah, sh- I should not have done that. Um, <laughs> go ahead and watch this video and watch your host locate. It's fun. <laughs> I will deal with that shoulder later. Um, but that's a horrible anxiety. I, I actually go into like. Anxiety when I go into a hospital it has nothing to do with my pain level. Like, I yeah. cannot, I have panic attacks in hospitals just looking at that white coat and. Dealing with interns, you are like, so you dislo you think you dislocate. is a lot of the times what I hear first. So I, oh yeah, keep- you,
1: think, you think this is this.
0: Uh-huh. <laughs> so I keep a um, thing on my phone in my uh, photos that I keep all my dislocations. I photograph all my dislocations and I photograph all of my ratchets for my mouth cell and I photograph my watch on what it says my heart rate is. So that when they start in with the oh, you think, I'm like, let me show you. (laughs) And it's amazing how seriously I can get taken right then and there when they see, when they can actually look at the photos and see that it's an actual thing that happens all the time. But the list you mentioned is my terror in life. Because with the opioid, no, not epidemic, the opioid freakout that is going on right now means that if I go to a hospital and I have to tell them what I'm on, so if they don't kill me by giving me too much of anything. I can end up on a list if I'm not nice, polite, sweet, and vomiting sunshine for everyone who walks through the door, no matter how they're acting or treating me, because they can say I'm a drug seeker. Even if I oh, refuse I like all it. drugs, even if I say I don't want the drugs, I can still get put on a list.
1: It's- well, and since moving here, I don't, ha- I don't have a doctor yet. And I don't have a primary care doctor or any yes. of that yet. And... So I'm on absolutely no medication. And they're like, well, then I guess it's not that bad. And I was like, well, (laughs) no, it is. But I do not have a doctor to to give me medication, so I have to deal. There's nothing I can do about that. And then when you ask, you know, this pain is above and beyond what what I'm used to, they look at you immediately. And it's just one of those greatest fears that are always in the back of my mind. And I've been told um, not too long ago I slipped and fell the way at a different gym. Um, and I was told, well, maybe you shouldn't be weightlifting. Maybe, maybe that's your problem. And I was like, what, what does that have to do with the fact that there was water on your bathroom floor? Like, how do those two go together? Because they don't. And if it was anybody else with any other disorder, they would not have said that. They would have said, oh, let me help you. But instead, because you have EDS, they're like, oh, well, maybe it's because of something else.
0: I will um, add so something else in. If you don't want to talk about it, just tell me to shut up. But um, I've been, like, it's the weight thing. Like, if I go in and I'm like, I'm in pain, my kneecap is dislocating all the time. I'm, like, maybe she should lose 20 pounds. That might help. Like a like, no, signal. <laughs> no, no. I, I no, have no, no connective all. tissue. <laughs> Let's focus on well, that.
1: Well hilariously, so this last hospital admission, um, mm. they uh, I was admitted for basically they they thought it might be C diff, it could be a million things, it ended up just being a really bad flu. But the doctor came in and he ordered me a a um, taking my blood sugar every couple of hours. And I was like, why? I've never been diabetic. I've never even been close diabetic. And he ordered it and when it wouldn't come off my chart. The, the nurses were like, I'm so sorry. My fingers were getting so bruised because you combine everything and you add in pinpricks on the end of your fingers. You can't help that. And then he also ordered me a CPAP machine. And I was like, why? I, I don't have sleep apnea. I've never had sleep apnea. There's no reason. He's like, well, you look like somebody who might have sleep apnea. I was like, excuse me? And what ended up happening was I ended up contacting the um, administration in the hospital, and they made a quick fix to everything. And I had actually never contacted the hospital before. I have never stood up for myself, never uh, talked to the patient advocacy or any of that, and it changed things night and day. Like, he... I, I don't know whatever happened to that doctor, but I'm—he was not allowed anywhere near me after that. And so now I tell people all the time, contact somebody if you're getting treated poorly, if you're getting denied something, contact because this. I was like, do I need to make a thing out of this? I might need to make <laughs> a thing out of this because this is absolutely—I've never had that kind of treatment before. I've had the the minor things of well, if you lost weight, you'd be better. Um, maybe you should exercise. I was like, "Did we not have the conversation about what I do?" Like, did, did did we? Did I fall asleep and dream that conversation? Um. But yeah, it definitely it happens so much, and it's so frustrating. I, I was told once by a rheumatologist of all people that if I went vegan, I would cure EDS. It's okay. Just just try a vegan diet. I was like, "Well, that's gonna fix my genes." Okay. I'll get right on it. That I should say a, a for doctor
0: now. Fantastic lack of um, basic biology knowledge. That's yeah. <laughs> impressive. But like, it's so shocking to hear that. I have never heard anything like that from a doctor, but from well-meaning friends and family, the, if you prayed more, thought happier, warmer and fuzzier thoughts, um, didn't eat sugar, didn't have wine, caffeine, sugar, bread, all the things that make my life worth living at the moment. Um, everything would be better. and oh, fine. Yes. It just feels like a way for them to pass off the responsibility for like, actually it,
1: it, sitting It's somehow there. your fault is what it is. is somehow it's not what's it's not your body. It's just something, something that you're doing wrong. Which, I mean, in their defense, I understand that it would be amazing if I, if I could just change my diet and things would be fine. I would change my diet in a heartbeat. And I understand, and I, I, I see their optimism, but at the same time, it's more condescension than anything.
0: Yeah, I like to think of it as more of an um, a inability to sit there in a space with me of this is not going to change. And you have to be okay with feeling hopeless about that. And them just not wanting to feel hopeless. So I, that's that's my better nature that speaks up every once in a while. And the snarky bitch still comes out a lot. But like I, <laughs> when I'm actually able to practice mindfulness and togetherness, I'm always like, you know what? They're just having a hard time with losing control over the situation. And they just can't hold yeah. it and be here with me in that moment of helplessness. So... Meditation, keep working on
1: it. <laughs> but they, Forbes I always take it as they're wanting to help and them trying to understand and but then at the same time I end up talking myself right out of it and being like they're just not listening.
0: <laughs> Fair enough. In Forbes magazine, I just went on a rant on Twitter about this, but they just did their top health gadgets of twenty nineteen and the man with the most punchable face I've seen that is not part of the GOP was like there's his little selfie camera and he had this um, product and I think it was called Pain Pods and he was like for any of you who have chronic illness people in your life moaning get them this to shut them up and that is quotations to get them to shut up and I went on a fucking is it
1: duct tape for our mouth?
0: Have up for his? <laughs> <laughs> my husband was looking at me going what happened today in the news I'm like oddly that's not what I'm mad about right now he's like all right go <laughs> I went on a rant and then I like went to my Twitter I'm like who's the most influential disabled person I can find right now and I sent them over the articles I'm like you have more of a following than I do could you like this is Forbes this is not a random blogger this is a national yeah. magazine that is saying these things about chronic pain. and he even made a snide joke about the opioid crisis and I'm like
1: they you live in my body for 10 do. minutes,
0: dude. Like, see if you survive multiple dislocations during the day and you don't groan and moan about it. <laughs> God. Oh my gosh. I just like, it's 53 minutes. I could like, I'm kidnap sorry. you all day. Um, <laughs> do you have any, um, any ways that people can help support you for your, your, your strong woman stuff? Is there anything that we can do for you?
1: Uh, Right now I have a fundraiser going on, um, on GoFundMe and on my Facebook, mainly because getting to the uh, uh, America's Strongest Disabled Person um, Um, competition is all the way in Ohio. So getting there is is very tough. (laughs) Uh, Basically, everything that I've collected so far has paid to get me to this first competition. And that competition is just in Santa Clara.
0: So wow.
1: the cost of just doing, I actually got in an argument not too long ago with somebody of, they said, you know, if you can't afford $20 wrist wraps, then you probably shouldn't be doing this sport. And I don't think that's fair. And I don't think that we should be leaving people out of sports because of their financial well-being. Um, I think that's just absolutely elitist. Preach um, it. <laughs> Yes, I, 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 my jaw was on the floor, and then then he had somebody else supporting his what he said. He's like, "Yeah, this is an expensive sport. Yes, it is, but that doesn't mean that that should bar you from competing. Um, <laughs> yes. but it, it is a very expensive sport. But at the same time, I know I'm not going to win a lot, and I know I'm not going like this. This next competition is an able-bodied competition, and I already know." There, there's one, one specific exercise that I'm going to zero out on. There's no way I'm going to be able to do. Um, but it's not about winning for me. It's about showing that we can at least try. I was so, just going to
0: say, don't you dare discount what you're doing and the visibility that you are showing and the inspiration you're giving to everyone because winning is not what I find inspiring about you. I I don't care how often you win. I care so much like seeing your posts and like seeing you working out and trying and doing the best you can in that day. And that just makes me feel like so good. If like the best thing I can do is get on my pedals and like rode my legs back and forth like a zero thing. I'm like, I'm doing it too. (laughs) Like You do so much.
1: It's one of those things that just being able to do it makes me feel so lucky. Like there's, there's days where there's no way I can do anything. But at the same time, I know that tomorrow I might be able to do something. And that to me is a blessing because I know that there, I have a lot of friends who can't do anything, who would not be able to even get anywhere close to what I'm doing. And I think it's just, it's, it's important that I get out there and do what I can speak for the people who
0: can't right now. On that amazing note, I cannot <laughs> thank you enough for taking time this morning. And um, please, everyone, go over to show notes. And at the very top, you're going to see Crescendo's um, links to sign up for her Facebook because follow, or not Facebook, um, Instagram. Your Instagram account is awesome. So I'll have links to that <laughs> so that everyone can start following you. I will have links to your GoFundMe page at the top. So if you go to invisiblebroken.com, Dot com and you look up for this um, this episode, you'll be able to go right to the top and hit those links. And um, also, I think if you go to any of the show notes, I'll have those at the very top. So please go ahead over there. Thank you, everyone, so much for tuning in this week. Um, by the way, Africa, thank you for showing up. Oh my gosh, you guys are becoming one of our quickest growing audiences. <laughs> I am so jealous my voice is more traveled than my body. I would love to be over there with all of you in Africa like, on my bucket list of places. There are so many countries in Africa I want to go to, and I'm so glad you guys are listening. Thank you. Um, be kind. Be gentle. Be a badass this week. Um, if you still want to do anything nice for the podcast, best thing you can do is still go over to Apple Podcast and give us stars. Say nice things or say constructive things in kind ways. I have two feelings. Please don't step on them. And uh, I think that's it, everyone. Have a great week. Share us. Share this episode with other people you think this would be inspiring to. Share this to your social media group. Show this to family and friends. Thanks, everyone. Tune in next week. You are awesome at this.